Welcome to the Gabe Gallucci Golf Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gabe Gallucci Golf Show. And guys, Dave is back. What up, sir? How are you? My friend, it's been a minute. How you been? I know it's been a while. It's it's a couple weeks. All the snow. You know, we've had some great interviews on the show, but nothing beats nothing beats having the boys. You know, just like the crew is here. I've been great though. It's good to be back. Lots of exciting things to chat about too. Yeah. We had our big equipment release cycle. Yep, yep. So the the psycho season, sicko season, all of the above is in full full effect. Full effect. I know we were texting there during the PGA show, catching track of all the new stuff that coming out anything interest you catch your eye so far this year you know the it's interesting that seems like behind the scenes every single uh equipment manufacturer has kind of joined forces on this 10k movement so i do find it interesting that it seems like they've all simultaneously decided that this is the area to go um i am i am curious to try the ping 10k max that's probably of everything i've seen so far the one thing that consistently I would be willing to really want to give a, a, a test to. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else, I don't know. You know what? I've, I've had a couple friends who have tried the new Callaway irons, the CBs, who and they were okay. they were playing the TCBs. They do not like the CBs. Interesting. Because I don't think they, they're carrying the TCBs anymore, and there's like only a two-or-only model of them. And um, they do not like the CBs compared to the TCB. Interesting. So any what any reason why or what? Apparent it just the look, I I the offset, apparently it just doesn't look or feel as good or as forgiving. And obviously the TCBs don't have a ton of forgiveness. Um, but it's just not nearly as as good. And so that I thought that was really interesting. Um and then, I don't know, everything else I'm kind of like I haven't really I don't know. It just seems there's a lot of driver stuff. But the Chrome Tour X ball. The Chrome Tour and the Tour X, I, I, that's another one. Um, I'm going to a Callaway event here um, in a week and a half or so to kind of get more of an update on that and, and learn more. But I got a sleeve of each um, from Chris here at Cultus and to test out. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that might uh, become an option versus the Bridgestone, what I'm using right now. Because my some of my best rounds ever were with the Chrome Soft X. And nice. apparently this Chrome Tour is supposed to be uh, just their best thing they've created. Awesome. Yeah, how about you? Where, um, where have you, where have you uh, been inclined to start throwing the credit card down? I've, uh, I've withheld on purchases for the most part. I've been pretty good. Um, I'm going to get a fitting here later this month, and uh, we'll see what that triggers for new purchases in the future. I did hit the ping 10K, uh, consistent all over the face. Really, really good results. I actually wasn't swinging my best. Really? And I saw faster ball speed and faster club head speed than my current gamer. Really? So, yeah. So it was it was impressive. Um, I hit the PXG Black Ops. Okay. Um, it, was, it was super impressive off-center hits. I don't think it had the same forgiveness as the ping. Um, off-center started to drop off a fair bit. Got a little spinny inside on the heel. Okay. Um, but I'm curious. I saw the guys at Golf.com tested the Cobra Dark Speed. Yeah, and Cobra always makes they always make a good driver, and it kind of flies under the radar. Um, and apparently, they're saying this year's maybe another one of those unicorn drivers like the Cobra LDX. So it'll be interesting to try that, see how that goes. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, and I never, I never think to test Cobra. 
I don't have access to it. And honestly, you know what's annoying about testing stuff too is that like to get your spec of shaft with the then like to find something with a Cobra tip on it. Yeah. Like a lot of places just aren't set up for that. Um, yeah. But it, I, I have heard good things. I think it was the golf.com guys, right? It's like that, that dark speed max was getting like yeah. crazy, crazy dispersion. But that's that's not really a driver for me. That's why I think the max 10K is so interesting mm-hmm. is because I've seen guys with my speed get really good results with it. And yeah. and like even uh, seeing Peter Finch's review of it, uh, you know, seeing some other reviews where guys are kind of putting it head to head versus the, the TaylorMade. And like the TaylorMade just seems to have this like high knuckle, like like not knuckler, but like the, the high spin ball where if you don't hit it perfectly yeah. out the middle, it like you lose all that yardage versus the ping seem to kind of retain it. So were you, well, that's what I saw. You were seeing like, that in I testing? Hit about a, I hit about a dozen shots and the spin was anything from like 21 to 24. It was all perfect and consistent. Um, and I think it was you were the one that sent me the video link to Ian at Club Champion Canada. And he was hitting the tailor Yeah. And some of, the, some of them were getting really spinning up into the 3000s and that. So. When you even watch his, like if you watch his start lines and it just seemed like if he was, you know, gun to his head, had to hit the fairway, it seemed like yeah. in that video, the 10K max, the ping, the pings version was going to do it for him. And it kept yeah. the spin down, which is like massive. So I'm, I'm curious to try that. I'm going to, ha- um, they've got a ping fitting day up here in uh, nice. two weeks. So I'm going to be able to test that out. And my LST should finally be in. So I should be able to test that out. And we've got something else to test it against too because we're a lunatic. But we're going to get to uh, we're gonna get to that later. We're going to get there. Uh, did you watch any of the, the Live or the PJ Tour stuff this weekend? I did. I watched the PJ Tour up and through Saturday. Um, as of recording this, I guess the tournament's been canceled or shortened to 54 holes. So Wyndham Clark is our winner. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about 80 players no cut? This is the first of those signature events with no cut. I don't know. I don't know. The thing that I, that I would say the thing that I'm seeing from following Monday Q info and just seeing some stuff online. And it's kind of what you and I talked about. Like I think it was on the first or second podcast. It's going to be very hard for new players to make it into the signature events. Once these really get rolling, like your ability to move up and move in becomes very hard. Um, and then you don't – I don't know. I don't know because, you know, like what a great story with Nick Dunlap and, and um, you know, Matthew Pavon uh, who won. But now he's in the signature events. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think the, the, the romance of the PGA Tour is the storylines of that on any given week something crazy can happen, right? Yep. And yep. where Liv – kind of sells it is that like we know exactly who's playing and you're going to get 54 holes and everyone's playing and every shot matters because of the team. And I think that's, that's, so, it's just, a, it's just almost like it's two different things entirely. But for the PGA tour, I think what I love about the PGA tour is that, you know, and you can Monday in and you can go and you get guys like Corey Connors who can Monday in and then win. Yeah. And like, I think those stories are the best. And selfishly, as somebody who is trying to be a pro golfer, I think like keeping that meritocracy and romance of golf 
that's what fires me up. Um, but I don't know what the I, and other thing too. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of the AT and T because flipping back and forth between live and the AT and T broadcast, you get so angry with the amount of commercials and lack of golf that yeah. I almost was. It, it, it was. I'm like, well, I can watch. I get to watch John Rom DJ. You know, Waco Neiman's on an absolute heater this year. He won. I think he's won two DP World events, and now this. Um, yep. Like the quality of golf I get to watch and the frequency of golf shots. And then I I flipped over to the AT and T and I saw like Ludwig hit. I saw Rory hit. I saw two putts, and then it was a commercial. And now yep. I'm like, what am I doing? So I don't know. That's that's long and the short of it is is like. I'm sure the the signature events are going to be cool for the PJ Tour. I just the way they do the broadcast now, when you can have living and at back to back, becomes glaringly uh, obvious how brutal it is. Yeah, I found so. I thought the playoff with Neiman and Garcia was really really good on live. <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, and that was the first time I was riveted to a live uh, broadcast. I thought it was really well done. I can't stand the regular live broadcast with that podium on the left taking up, you know, a quarter of the screen. Oh, see, and I, I, scoreboard. I, I like it. But I think, you know what I think, though? I've, it feels like YouTube golf to me a bit in how they do their graphics. And I don't mean that yeah. in a bad way. But I think if you watch a lot of YouTube golf and you're used to those kind of things on the screen. Yep. And, and like, if you watch F1, it's like that. And you can, tra- totally. and you can track it all. So I actually, I really like it because I know where everyone stands at all times. I know where the team standings are. And and I, honestly, I really like the team stuff, man. I don't know, with Rom's team now and all this stuff, and I feel like their marketing's gotten a little better too. I don't love all the team names. But I one thing I did really like about Sunday's round, I watched, I didn't watch the end, but I watched half of it before I was able, uh, went out to practice. The fact that every sh- team member still matters on Sunday so they may be out of it individually, but like take Rom's team, you know, Kieran Vincent and Caleb Surratt still had to do their job for the team to win, right? They weren't going to win the individual title, but they, their score still mattered. And I think like that reminds me of like F1 of like the Constructors Championship and things like that. It was like so many times, uh, you know, a PJ Tour broadcast, you can only follow the featured group. And so you basically watch them hit and then you got to wait for them to walk down the fairway. And then, the, you know, they'll show you a shot if somebody does something cool, but it doesn't matter. They don't do a good job of showing you why f- the guy, you know, in T20 is going to keep his card because of doing that. Like there's so many of those storylines, they do a terrible job of, of showing. Yeah. Whereas with Liv, what I do like is that this team element, it's like, Everyone counts on Sunday. Well, that's new, though. This is the first time. Right, but I think that's so much better. Oh. I, I, I think that's so much better. That's an improvement. Yeah. I, so 54 holes, 72 holes, I don't know if I really care about that. I like the fact everyone's score counts on Sunday. I do wish they would move away from the shotgun on Sunday. I, I do think, you know, and it happened last year, you've got someone finishing on six and someone finishing on 18. I I think Sunday's round should be more traditional tee times, go and stack your leaders at the end of the round. Yeah, um, and, that's just and, and I can see that. But I do really like the broadcast window being... Huh, so I, 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 you know what, like that's a good point. 
to counter, like, I think the PGA Tour should go to a shotgun start on Thursday and Friday. Agreed. Totally. And I think if they went to a shotgun start on Thursday and Friday and showed way more shots, I think it would be way more compelling. Yeah. So I don't think the shotgun start is that bad for those two days. Um, for Liv, I, yeah, I can see, I can see what you're saying of like, you know, it, it, it puts people in weird pockets. But then the other thing too, I wonder from a fan's perspective, right? If we're thinking about like, if you're at the event, if you, you know, when I went to the Canadian Open, right? As soon as the players rip through that hole and they're done for the day, you're done. Yeah. Like you only get to see that, right? Whereas I wonder if from a fan's perspective, you you can just park yourself and you get golf the whole day and you get to see the whole tournament unveil and each each player's hole is different for them because of yeah. where they are. I also think that's very interesting. Yeah, listen, I, I don't mind, as I say, I, I think the shotgun start of the week is actually a great idea. It's a little harder on the PGA Tour because your field is bigger, so you'll have to have a morning wave and an afternoon wave. But I think that'd be, I don't know, I, I think that, imagine imagine shotgun starts Thursday, Friday, Right, morning yeah. wave shotgun, afternoon wave shotgun. Your broadcast windows are tight. Pro- I don't know. I- I'm be curious what it would do for pace of play. Yeah, I think that'd be great. But sorry, you you're gonna say like, what were you gonna say? Well, I mean, it all comes down to sponsors, right? I know. What does the money want? I know, and that's where Liv's so. flexibility right now is interesting. And then you saw their new thing with Google. They're gonna show. They're basically gonna be able to show every shot. I did. Like I love, I love that because I watch a ton of highlights. Like I learn a lot from watching highlights and watching other players. I've probably watched every Tiger video, full round or highlight package on the internet. Same with Brooks, same with DJ, same with John Rahm. You know, the amount of shots I get, I can watch and learn from and see how they attack their whole rounds. I think Liv does a really good job of that. And if they're going to give me this now where I can, like I'll go watch Cam Smith putt just watch all of his putts. Like, there's so much to be learned from that. That's a huge value for me. I would, I would subscribe and pay, like, and get a live viewership membership for that for sure. Yeah. yeah. You saw the other big news: PJ Tour got three three billion injection from SSG Sports. Yeah, and I didn't really look into it enough yet, but but um, the PIF's not involved in that, right? No, they're not. Right. So, so basically, it was a, so there's one and a half billion investment as of last week, with another one and a half billion to come. It valued the PGA Tour at a twelve billion dollar valuation, and so SSG is this group. It's owned by like Cohen, who owns the New York Mets. Yeah. Um, owner of owner of the Boston Red Sox is in that group. Um, I think Liverpool is included in that group. Um, so in Euro football. So quite a big, quite a big investment fund with a, uh, a big valuation on the PGA tour. Now it's a right. profit entity. Yeah. That's interesting. You know what? We'll see. We'll see. I, I think it was, it was, it was Max Homer Morikawa. I saw had a, a statement that said, you know, hopefully with guys who are running it now that are profit driven, it will make the PGA tour better at creating a fan experience that will get us all engaged and love it. Cause I, it's not that I don't like PGA tour golf. I just don't like the way it's packaged and presented. I love, I, I would love to see these tournaments. 
like like you know their uh, waste management this week. There are so many things that can be done with that tournament. First of all, the Monday qualifier for that tournament is like the Super Bowl of Monday qualifiers. It used to be the Honda, but now apparently it's it's this one. And you know why? Like why is there no lead up on that to to just get some insight to understand, right? Like, like let's cover that. Then you can lead into the entire yeah. week. You know, there's, and then if they could show more shots, if I just want to see more golf, like more golf. See, I don't think necessarily though, tournaments like the waste management are the ones that are going to be in trouble. Like the ones that they need to fix. So if you're, if you're the RBC Canadian open, right. right. And you're, you're RBC. Um, neither of your events now, not, Arbortown nor the Canadian Open are signature events, right? The RBC, the Canadian Open gets shuffled around the schedule, and I think it's in another crappy spot this year, like before or after the Open, I'd have to double check. It's, it's, I think like it's, those, it's Canadian Open Memorial than the U.S. Open. Yeah. So those are the, those are the tournaments that they really have to figure out. Because if you're sitting there and you're RBC, it's like, why am I putting 20, 30 million into these tournaments, right? With diluted fields, not guaranteed the best players in the world. Like I think those are the tournaments that are going to really have to figure out where they stack. And then I begin to wonder like, at what point does a tournament, like if you're the Canadian open, right. Do you just not affiliate yourself with the PGA anymore? Yeah. I don't like, know. Do you need to be Yeah. like, like, yeah, you do. You do. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, I think there's just, there's just, I just hope they make it more compelling. You know, they just make it. I never watch an NFL game even if it's a blowout and go, man, I haven't watched enough football. Like they don't, they don't cut me to commercial in the middle of somebody throwing a pass. Well, that that, that's easy when there's only 15 minutes of actions in a four hour broadcast. Totally. But I'm just saying like the, the way they advertise, there's gotta be a better way to do the native advertising. There's just like, you know, I understand broadcast contracts and things and there's stipulations and fine, but there's got to be a better way to do native broadcasting for golf. They just need somebody to think of it differently and package it differently. You know, like, like I know, I think it was like, I knew TurboTax or Intuit was one of the big sponsors for the NFL. And, you know, they found a way to slam that ad, but I, I don't remember seeing a tax ad. I just know they sponsored it and it was like, they were hammering that. Right. So there's just, I don't know, just just show me more golf. Find a way to show me more golf. And I would be infinitely more happy. There you have it, folks. Gabe has spoken. Show him more golf. Show me more golf. It'd be interesting. So, we'll see. Hey, listen. None of these guys want to lose money. None of the, like these are all big players. And so that is encouraging because none of them want to lose money and they all want it to be successful. And so that means stuff is going to happen. And if they run it more corporate, less like a charity, hopefully there's less bloating. Money gets directed to the right areas. Everyone wins. But speaking of tournament speaking of tournaments, Dave, one of the two of us had a tournament this past weekend. We had our first not me. tournament of the year. We are in it. Guys, listen, I told you in 2024, it is game time. Uh, it looks like, so I did my schedule. It looks like from now until end of August, there's going to be 25 tournaments, potentially 26 tournaments. Uh, we're just waiting on a couple dates to come out to see if I can make it all make sense. But that is what we're looking at. 
to hopefully play an entire schedule of that. And so we had our first one this past weekend at Tawasin Springs, Vancouver Winter Tour. So there's, I think there's five or six Winter Tour events left. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, there's six left. So this, so there's seven total. And the Winter Tour events are great because they're, um, you know, I'm looking at these as like learning. Like this is how I can kind of, they're one day events. They're, they've che- moved the format to Stableford, which is okay. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's a good way to just like get in there learn and kind of take some, some lessons from it. And, uh, so we shot 76 in the tournament, um, which, which was how many points was that? 30 points, okay. 30 points for anyone that I assume most people listen to this. know, but for anyone that doesn't know, do you want to take a moment and explain how Stapleford works? To be honest, Dave, I don't truly hundred percent, uh, understand Stableford to be clear. I kind of, the way it went, like, cause it, when I played this event, like I, yes, I, I understand it's a Stableford tournament, but I kind of treat it more like a stroke play event in terms of my strategy and what I'm doing, because that is what I'm trying to learn from and do. But I think it's, um, the only thing I do know is that if you get a, if you get more than a double, you just pick it up. Yeah. So basically <laughs> There's a few different ways to play it. I think you were playing modified, if I read the rules correctly. Um, but basically, there's traditional Stateford modified and a few other versions. But um, you basically accumulate points for your performance. So instead of being over under par, you know, a bogey is usually worth zero points. Double bogey is worth negative points. Um, some versions even triple bogeys. But I think the way the uh, VGT plays it is double bogey pick up. And then, you know, pars will usually be worth anything from one to two points. Birdies worth three to five. Eagles can be worth five to eight, sometimes 10. So the rules committees will set forth how many points each actual action on a hole is worth. And then it's basically over 18 holes, whoever gets the most points wins. And the idea is to kind of make it a shootout, make make players play aggressively. Yeah, and it's great. And And like I said, like I kind of keep the... Stableford thing in my mind, but I'll be honest when I'm playing my, my whole point is to try and figure out what works in a tournament and what doesn't. Um, overall, probably the best I've ever hit the ball in tournament, like ball striking wise first tournament. I, I did not feel like an absolute idiot playing. I think, I think I've walked into every tournament, like feeling like I was cramming for a test and hoping that something would show up and then would kind of go, nope, this isn't it, and then have to go to the range after. And if it was a two-day event, I would kind of find something by the second day. But it, it, it's never been um, – there haven't been many tournaments where I've, like, gone in there and, and felt like I could really hit the ball and, the, and what I've been doing was good. And I think that was the biggest positive coming out of it. Ball striking-wise and what I'm doing swing-wise is totally in the right direction of where I need to go. Well, let's, let's talk about, let's walk through the bag then. Um, we can start at the top. Like how did, how did like tee shots go? How did off the tee go? Driver so, or so whatever. It's a, it's a shorter, it's a shorter course. So it's the way they kind of defend that. It's, I think it's just under 6,000 yards from the tips. So the way they defend that course is like, it's very tight. It's a, it's very much a first shot golf course and then putting. So off the tee, everything was great. I only hit driver about three times there because that's, really all that's available to you. And then the rest is, um, 
irons and uh, the odd hybrid here and there. And the big thing for me was making sure that I had committed swings on all of those, particularly there are a couple par fours there where you have to hit basically a 200-yard shot and then, you know, there's OB left and water right. And so there's not a lot of room to, to mess around. And so you've got to... And you can't really lay back because the greens are tiny or their slopes are where they put the pins. So you, you, you know, you, you can't play it too safe because then your second shot is really, is really tough, right? Like, so I was really pumped from having played here before of how committed I was on all my tee shots. Like, nice. like really good. A couple of them, um, specifically on the par threes, I was a, just didn't have the best result. Um, just some wind direction things and just, a, you know, I got to add a couple things to my arsenal, um, kind of some like low draws on a couple of them that I would have done a little better. But overall, very pleased with that off the tee. Um, the approach game, I would say, you know, from, but honestly, it was, it was really good except for three wedges. Like a lot of the, like the issue, so the winning score, if you're going to look at like pure stroke play, um, was 65, right? So it's 11 shot difference from, and that's in the pro, uh, both the pro division and the champ flight division, which is I'm in the amateur champ flight division. So it was an 11 shot difference, right? And I can find those 11 shots very fast between approach play and putting. So I had three really poor wedges. Uh, one from 75 yards, one from 85 yards, and one from 106. And okay. uh, honestly, the issue was purely like tempo and getting too quick. So I got too I got too quick on two of them, and one of them really bit me because I like basically launched it right over the green and had to like punch out, and that's the one I got a double on. Um, uh, I'll link my scorecard in the podcast description so you guys can see the results. Um, so that was that was unfortunate because I hit a really good tee shot and had a really good look in. And on the previous hole, I hit a really good approach from like 118 yards. So I was like, oh, they're great. Like, we're not that much closer in. Keep that same commitment. The feel was really good. Um, and it was – so those three wedges were combined, you know, uh, I had bogey-bogey and a double so there's four shots right there right just from just from those poor wedges and all of them are preventable and something that i've since gone to the range and have workshopped um it's just getting quick it's just something i you know this is something i've been working on with max in 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 my practice so it was just unfortunate because it was an unforced error um, but as you said earlier, this is what the winter tour is for. Get these exactly, things out, exactly. Like, learn the problem. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm going in with no expectations other than to see if what I'm practicing and what I'm doing actually works, right? Yeah. So full swing, what we know is, is working. Wedges, we still need to improve, and we got to definitely work on some tempo and some sinking things because if I get quick, it's game over. Uh, putting surprised me because I've put well here before, but the putter I just did not make anything. Uh, you know, I made, I probably had seven or eight really good birdie looks and made only one of them, uh, which was on hole one. Um, almost drove the green, chipped it to 
eight and a half feet and made the putt. And I was like, okay, this is great. But just subsequently, like just made a couple really poor, um, really poor putts. And, and, and again, it wasn't even like anything felt particularly off. I just, I don't know, just, it just wasn't it. And like, I even missed a bunch of really short ones. I had a couple lip outs. Like I had probably the shot of the day is, was hole uh, seven. Um, The holes are all weird because we teed off on number 11, but the scorecard it's, it's so hole seven is actually hole 17. It's very weird. Um, But hole seven was 220 yard par four. And it was like four degrees and raining. And I hit the best four iron I've probably ever hit in a tournament and three putted. Cause like I, I lagged it up to, you know, probably a foot and a half, maybe two feet. And it lipped out. And cause you know, the, the pin was in a, like just a tough spot. You're playing break sometimes outside of the hole on some of these short ones. Um, so just stuff like that, where it was like, there was definitely a lot of those putts, both for birdie and for par that were just putts. I'm, I've been so used to making and I'm, I've been making constantly and I put everything out in my casual rounds. I don't take gimmies. So that was annoying because there's probably six shots right there, you know, yeah. in putts. You felt you should have had. Absolutely. All attainable. So, you know, when I look at, when I look at the scorecard and I look at the, you know, the difference between me versus the winner, it's like three wedges in those putts. You know, there was no, no lost balls, no, no foul balls. There was one approach on, a, on one of the par fives on hole number eight that I bungled a little bit that kind of, you know, I, I could, I should have taken, I should have had a scoring opportunity there. So that's probably where the 11th shot comes in. Um, but it just, you know, like just unfortunate things like on hole 16, I had a three footer for birdie on the par five and lipped out on the high side. And it was just a bunch of that. So, so unfortunate, but again, it was probably, it was, it was the best I've, best I've come out of a tournament. I, you know, talking to Max after talking to you after, um, you know, swing wise, I've definitely feel like I could play golf committed for the first time. I wasn't trying to bunt it around and be safe. Nice. And, and I think on that kind of a course, I think like one of the things that's always been tough for me in tournaments is like I have this kind of like full swing attack mode that I can play casually that I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing and I can hit these cool shots and then I'd get into a tournament and I'd really tighten up and I would get really quick and I have this really short swing that wasn't me. And right. what's really cool now is I feel like it's the same swing both, both times. You know, I was hitting, I was hitting it high. I was hitting it hard. I was hitting it far. Um, and I wasn't seeing some of the like stupid, like uncommitted bullshit swings that I would definitely have and, and have had in probably every other tournament I've played. Good stuff. Yeah. I will say when we and I chatted after the round, um, a sign for me having known you all these years is, is when you're fully committed on like a statement, like I can tell by the tone of your voice Mm -hmm. when you're fully committed to something, you believe it. And you were completely pumped 
about your irons, your driver, how you played off the tee. Um, I've also never heard you've been so sure of anything before that your putter wasn't working, which which yeah. leads us to you. Uh, we haven't chatted since you did this, but you were going through a putter experiment uh, post-tournament. How did that go? Yeah, so this was my first time putting this putter into play in a tournament. Because... and. For people who forget, which is, this is the Huntington. This Beach, is the Huntington the, Beach the, the Four, Cleveland. yeah. Which I've, yeah. which I, I've I've done the Quintic assessments with. I've put really well casually with. But there's something about some this putter, and I, I ran into this last year, and, and it never made it to a tournament. Where it's like, it, there are times where this putter is just, I can't miss. It feels like, and the hole feels like a hula hoop. And then there are times where just my alignment with it or something just gets slightly off and I just start having these kind of misses, right? So I'm kind of thinking, you know, over the course of a tournament, like a a big reason why I've moved to the ping irons is is because I'm not going to be great every day. So under the gun, you know, what's going to give me just, if if I don't have the perfect swing that day, What's going to at least make sure that I'm not, you know, out of play? And I think that's right. what's been great about the pings is that, like, my volatility is lower and I get a little bit of help, but I still retain all my creativity and I can still do, I can still be who I am. And that's been great. And that's where I think the pings have, have made a huge difference for me versus almost any other iron I've ever had. What I'm thinking, what I think for this putter well, at least what I thought is I go, you know what? Maybe there's just not enough forgiveness with the blade so that if I do get a little quick or if I do get a little handsy or something on a short putt, you know, like there were there were quite a few short putts on the weekend that like I haven't missed in a while. So clearly there's something in my mechanics and my demeanor. And, and I can honestly say it's not a mental thing. Like, I'm not freaking out over these putts. I'm not, like, previously, I could totally chalk some of this up to mental errors or being kind of in my head. It's, I say, like, I'm, I'm, I was really calm out there. Like, I'm, I am a night and day different person mentally. So I can also kind of come at this with some objective reason and go, you know what? There's something either technique-wise or how I'm set up that is leading to some of these misses. So yesterday, I went and did... Uh, another 12 hole challenge and I brought a different putter with me and uh, I birdied four out of the first five. <laughs> and so um, this putter's going in the bag for the next tournament. Absolutely. Now we all know new putter syndrome. We all know new putter syndrome happens, but it's a, but still, it's, that, it's a putter. I already promised me. It's a putter. I already own. So it's, it's just something yeah. that's been in the stable. It was just in the timeout closet. Um, but I've, I've brought back out the, uh, the TaylorMade Spider uh, Tour, the, the red one that I have uh, with the, so the, sti- with the, the stability OG shaft. The one from five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Nice. So that one with the stability shaft that Rich built before he was uh, genuine golf, when he was just building out of his, uh, his house. Um, he was one of, the, one of the first things he ever built for me. Um, and I went to Claw Grip because I've, mm-hmm. I've found in tournaments – when I had used this putter and my issue with this putter historically was always uh, lag putting, right? Like I would always 
I would, I would really struggle with lag pots, but I would re- do really well with the short pots. I think what I'm going to see now is that with my IQ being better as a golfer, am I able to just be better with speed control and then use this to clean up all the short pots? Nice. So, so that's the play. We're going to put that in play this week and test that out. We're going to keep everything else the same. Um, same ball. The Bridgestone was great, honestly. Really, really good for like the conditions and everything. Like, no weird spin off the green, nothing like that was really good. Another big piece too is, is some short game. Uh, Max and I have been doing a lot on the wedges and we've, I've got a, like a, a couple different shots now that I can hit short game wise, which is also really cool. And it's unfortunate because I had a couple really cool up and downs that the putter kind of let me down on, but could have like we're we're really good chip shots so i'm also really excited about that um but yeah there's a, there's a new putter in the bag so i so i've tested that out and that's what's this 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 12 hole challenge is, is unreal what i've figured out is like a training method because i can use that like now using that with the tournaments as like a buffer to figure things out and dial things in um because the other change i made was i moved to um i put the rdx red shaft back into my hybrid and my three wood and also went back to the g430 um hybrid and three wood because from trying out the different experiments one of the is actually you're the cause of this when we did the what's in the bag podcast hang on am i I about to get complimented or insulted complimented for your intelligence um okay when we did the what's in the bag podcast i remember you asking me about the length of my clubs and they're kind of just stuck in the back of my head. Because the one thing that, that's never been something that anybody has ever double-checked or, or have been able to test is shorter clubs. I'm not very tall. I'm may, I think I'm maybe 5'9", five, 5'10 five, on a good day. Um, I was going to sell some stuff and was kind of putting some gear together. And I... I I was kind of missing, like, I, having tested the 425 three wood and the hybrid. I was, the new ones feel way better. The 430 and the like hybrid and three wood feel way better from ping than yeah. than the old ones. Um, so I wanted to put them back in, and then I was like, but you know what? Like, I can't be as finessey sometimes with the Ventus in them. And so when I had ordered them, they came with this RDX hazardous rdx red shaft and i was like you know i wonder if like i wonder if i try it and then i also put the two shafts together and i noticed they're just half an inch shorter both of them yeah and i was like you know what let's let's put them in and let's see how these work and lo and behold i can now hit that rope kind of rope hook if i need to with that hybrid but i can still nice. hit it super high so i can now get the best of both worlds out of that hybrid as a result of of that shaft is that shaft going to well, last it, till the summer i don't know because my fear is that in the winter it's okay when it's cold um in the summer i don't know if i'll overload it and it might be too much that's to be determined but putting that into the hybrid and the three wood I really, really like right now. And I had to hit uh, one of the par fives on this course um, in the tournament is basically it's it's a hybrid and then a hybrid because there's a, like a creek and you can't really carry it with driver in the winter. Um, and it's it's a weird angle. So you basically like lay up and then you have to hit a hybrid in. 
and I hit this like full hybrid out there and then I hit this like choke down cut hybrid with the ball above my feet and made birdie on the hole. And nice. I was like, okay, that's great versatility. You know, I, I really liked being able to do that. I like the idea for you of having a club that you don't have to swing out of your shoes on. You know, if it's 17, you've been out there for four and a half hours, like those Ventus black shafts, especially in that three wooden hybrid, that's that's a beefy shaft. You know, as, you, as, as the day gets tired, you've been out there for a while. I think, you know, that that sounds like a nice play for you just to know you don't have to swing out of your shoes, you know, to get it working when it's late in the round. Yeah, and, and I... I was kind of realizing too, like, especially on some of these courses, like I, I need to be able to hit some of those more controlled, like knockdown hybrids off the tee and knock down three wood off the tee to get in, to get in play. Um, so that was really good. So anyway, so that's, that's an improvement. That's very happy with all that. I'd say like from wedges to there, very good. Now, nice. the final point of, of degeneracy here we go. I was waiting. If you weren't going to bring this up, I was going to bring this I up. I know. I appreciate it. Uh, I put a new driver in the bag. So for those of you that follow my Instagram, my boy Joe is kind of always at the range around the time I'm at the range. Now, if you, if you do follow, um, you'll notice that, you know, he's like, we have this thing where I basically hit all my balls. And then at the end of the night, like when I'm at like kind of towards the end of my bucket, I ha- if I hit a really good one that I can go home on, I'm always like, okay, Joe, we're going home. Here, you can have the rest of my balls. And that was something we've been doing for months, just like randomly. And I don't have Joe's phone number. We never coordinate when we're at the range. It just so happens that we're always at the range at the same time. So this just became like a funny thing between us. Then I caught it on film one night and I posted it. And so now it's like a running thing for every time I go to the range. I make sure, you know, I go, Joe, and it's almost like Joe has to give me permission to go home until I hit a really good one. So uh, Joe plays all Titleist gear. And one night I go to the range and uh, I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I decided to bring my old ping driver, the I-15, which if you're an OG subscriber of the channel, it was like the first driver I ever had in any of my videos. It's like, it's got the orange Pro Force V2 shaft and it's this black head and it looks amazing. And I love this driver. It's, I've brought this driver to multiple fitters to see if they can make me something modern that can be the same as it. And no one has been able to match it. And it drives me nuts because no matter what I do, I always come back to this driver and I hit it unfucking real But it's not as forgiving as modern drivers and whatever. So while I'm at the range, hitting the Rogue Triple Diamond with my Ventus, um, it, it starts to spin on me. The shaft comes out of the, uh, the tip, which is a problem I've, I've had multiple times now. Uh, so it's annoying. So I was like, great. Like, well, anyway, I'm happy. I brought my backup driver to hit some balls for fun. So I'm hitting this ping and I'm like, this is amazing. This is the best driver ever. And I was even debating like, you know what? Let's just put this in the bag. Who cares? Then out of the corner of my eye, my buddy Joe, who's in the stall beside me, pulls out his TSR-3. And having that old ping I-15 side by side with the TSR, I went, wait a second. Same, this same is, profile. This is the same looking head. 
And I had never hit a TSR before. Like, I had never even put two and two together. And I went, wait a second, this is the shape I've been looking for. This is the exact shape and look. So I hit his, um, which, and he's got a, a Tensei 1K Black 65X in it. And was crushing it. Just crushing it. And I actually had caught a funny clip where I basically, I hit it, like I stripe it and I go, fuck, I need to buy this. <laughs> and lo and behold. Lo and behold. So again, to just go show you the level of golf sicko that I am, I then go on Facebook Marketplace, like immediately after, as soon as I get home. And don't I find somebody selling the exact same driver with the same shaft for cheap, like, like cheap enough to go like, why are you doing this? So anyway, I messaged the guy. It had been up for a couple of weeks. No takers. I'm like, I will meet you tomorrow. So anyway, I go grab it and I could tell why the guy hated it because he was about six foot three, six foot four. And this driver has clearly been cut down. Because when I brought it back, compared to my Ventus with the Rogue, it's about an inch and a half shorter. Interesting. I fucking ripped this driver. I have never hit the center of the face more with any other club with intention than I think any other driver I've ever owned. I don't feel like I'm fighting it. I've got it in the, um, I think it's the C1 setting, which is one degree, uh, one degree down. So it's a nine degree head. I've got it one degree down and half a degree. It's a, sorry, three quarters of a degree flat. Right. And then I've got the weight in the heel. And. Okay. And what's also interesting is of any other driver I've tried, it's the first one where I can f- really feel the difference in where the, the, if there's a slider, I can really feel the difference of where that weight is moving. Like the, the in, in terms of the rotation of the toe. Some of the drivers I've tried, like, you know, the Paradigm or whatever, uh, you know, whenever there's that weight slider, even sometimes with the ping, it's never, it's never felt drastic enough to, so, you know, like I, I typically have it in the toe, but one of the things I noticed about this one was that you really feel the face rotation change. And right. one of the issues I'm, I was having in general with my drives, um, is committing to really like releasing it left. And I would always find that I'd have this like kind of wipey right miss. Right. So I'm like, I'm not committing to going fully left because I'm afraid to go fully left because I don't want to also, I don't want to hook it. And so I kind of fight that and then I hold it off, but then I hold it. I play with a bit of an open club face. So now I'm, I'm holding off an open club face and not really committing. And then I get this wipey thing and it drives me up the wall. And this, so you can release this. I can release this and it, it is just, it is like great. Now it's definitely not as forgiving as other things I've tried. Um, but I don't miss all over the face as much 
as I do with other things. It would be interesting for you to take that club to Rich uh, and just, just have it specked out so you know. Yes. Before well, anything 100% else happens, gonna do that. what's the length? What's the swing weight? Like, what? Do, just so you can know that feeling going forward. Yeah. So there's, so with now full on, full blown degeneracy, um, one of the things I'm going to test too is I'm going to take apart this ping driver, the old I-15, and I'm going to put a Titleist tip on it and see if I can, if putting this TSR into this old, into this shaft, because I think it's, it's the combination of the shaft. I think I actually just really like that shaft. I'm going to see if I can find the magic. If not, I've got the Tensei 1K black that's amazing. And the um, the Proforce V2 that's in the ping when I measure them uh, against the 1K black, it's it's a half an inch longer. So it's not, it's not drastically different. Um, yeah. But there's something about the way that shaft kicks that I think I really like. And so I'm really curious to see if I can find the magic of that ping driver on my own by doing this Frankenstein build. Um, if not, I've got a version that totally works and that excites me too, because another shot that Max and I work on a lot and he, and it's, it's something that, you know, I've seen him hit is like this low bullet cut driver. And I've not been able to properly hit that in a while because I'm, I haven't found a driver that I can fully go after it and not worry about it going left. Right. So I've been hitting it. I hit it a little higher. I've been hitting this kind of like higher ball, which has been great. But having that bullet cut, especially out here, and I've got a tournament coming up at, at UBC, which is your home track, which is like very tight. And like there are a couple holes where I need that ball. Yeah. And I was hitting a, a couple at the range yesterday, just kind of like working on this shot. And I'm very excited to put this in play um, in a tournament where I get to hit it more. But on the weekend, it was uh, it was three for three on drives, so nice. Cannot complain. There you have it, folks. Stay tuned next week when we have the next update in Gabe Lucci's golf. Oh back. man, I know. I, I I talk too much. I talk too much shit about you in the early episodes, and I've I've been the one making the changes. But I will say, I feel pretty pumped about the like. I don't feel like I'm chasing the dragon on these changes versus other times in my uh, golf career of psycho gear purchasing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this has all been pretty like calculated and, and has all helped. Cause I'm making like, that's why this, this, this 12 hole challenge has been amazing for that because I can kind of tell very quickly like what works and what doesn't. And, and then I have the tournaments to then either confirm it or tell me if I'm wrong. And so that's where I'm excited now this week. We're going to test the new putter. Um, this tournament coming up is at a place called King's Links. And it's, mm. um, it, it, I should be able to, to let it fly a lot more here. So I'm going to be very interested nice. to kind of see what a full round um, is. Now, I will put a disclaimer. The TSR is really great. That does not mean that I also haven't hit the ping LST in four and a half months. And I'm going to hit the 10K if for some reason I'm able to dial those in to be better. The TSR can be gone. Well, and people should realize, too, your ping LST 
is is the exact spec you were fitted for. So you did, I don't know if we talked about this, but you did that ping fitting yeah, in September. Uh, back in Ontario in the summer. And uh, that's where you found your irons. Yep. And so this driver you've got is identical to what you respect on uh, for that dur- during that fitting. So it'll be interesting to see how this driver performs. Yeah, because I had a 10.5 LST before the fitting, and then it cracked. And then um, I have a 9 degree now coming in, which is what I was fit for. Because in the fitting, Which I think, we, we shot it. We did a, a test between the nine degree and the ten and a half degree turned down. Yeah. And the nine degree was really good, and even the nine degree turned down was very good. Which I probably I think we're nine degree turned down flat now, based off of speed and everything. But I'd be also interested too. That was with my Ventus, and and then we also tested it with the the stock ping shaft, the Tour Chrome uh, X stiff. Yeah. But I'm but to me that that to me that's gonna be a way bigger difference than the loft is that is that chrome sixty five X shaft and I'm curious to see how you did that. But I'm also wearing I'm also curious too, is like maybe I just need to have a shorter driver. Like maybe if I maybe if I have the ping with all that forgiveness, maybe it's just playing way too long of a driver. Like when and this is this goes back to your comment about, you know, length of clubs. I think mm-hmm. like maybe for my height and for everything, I'm just I'm I'm playing clubs that were too long and it was just it was just that's why I was getting stuck behind me. Like I was always feeling that the driver sometimes was just getting stuck behind me and it was just so much work yeah. to to make it happen. And when I would hit it great, it would go forever, but I I don't want to have to feel like I'm working that hard. And so this I I'm curious to see if I try something in the same length that the TSR is in the ping what what results will that yield? Yep. So anyway, that's where we're at. That's All a full right. recap, everybody. Um, what do you think, Gabe? We got time for trivia before we close out today? Yeah, hit me. Hit me with the goods. All right. All right. So today's trivia question comes for a 10 handicapper. All, All right. right. So this is the number of strokes a 10 handicapper takes from 100 yards. And I want the number of strokes from the fairway and the number of strokes from the rough. So how many strokes... From 100 yards out, fairway and rough, does a 10 handicapper on average need to get it in the hole? To hole out. A 10 handicapper. I want to say like three, four, 4.1 from the 4. fairway. 4.1 from, no, from no, the fairway? We'll go, okay. We'll go 3.8 from the fairway. Okay. We'll go 4.6 from the rough. Okay. So 10 handicappers everywhere rejoice or feel offended. Gabe has grossly underestimated your abilities. Um, average is 3.3 from the fairway. Okay. And 3.5 from the rough. Oh, wow. The interesting thing is there only being a 0.2 difference between fairway and rough yeah. from 100 yards. I honestly, when I was a 10 handicap, I, was, I think I was better from the rough than the fairway, to be honest. I think the rough can just because I think the rough can be sometimes less scary because like the ball can be sitting up and you can just take a full whack at it. Whereas when you have like a really good lie and you're a 10 handicap and you have to hit it pure, you're kind of like, oh no. And then you hit it thin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you have to you have to catch it cleaner. Exactly. The rough the rough covers up a lot of mistakes sometimes. Yeah, which is great as a 10 handicap. Wow, I really uh 
sorry, sorry, 10 handicaps. But that, that, I, I, those stats were kind of based off of what I thought I would do when I was a 10. So kind of hating on myself. Well, stay tuned next week, everyone, when Gabe insults 20 handicaps. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up this week. We've got uh, another tournament. Then we got a couple. Let's see. When's the, when's the next one? The next one will be will be done, and then we have a, a week and a half break, and then we got another stretch of tournaments. So next podcast, I'll have a, a tournament update for you. Um, and we got some guest ones coming up, and just a lot of great stuff. Like I said, the season is now beginning. It's still off season. We're we're still calling it the off season until we're done the winter tour, and then it's the season. But it's it's shaping up to be good. So anyway, right. um, before we go though, take, take care, my before friend. Before we go. You did send me a picture of something you bought in a parking lot. I did, but that, it was subsequently returned. So did you actually return it? Just, it was, yes. Oh, so it doesn't count? It doesn't count. <sighs> it was it was a moment of weakness followed by a moment of clarity. What well, was a couple? I'm going to go get It was a couple I'm gonna go days get, of weakness technically. I'm going to go get fit. You're going to go get fit. And then okay. there's there'll, there'll be a whole Dave fitting. Dave made a shotgun purchase. Fitting episode. I received a picture of a purchase and I could see the parking lines behind the purchase, knowing that the picture was not taken within the store. The picture was taken in the parking lot after the purchase had been made. But the wrapper never came off and he had the receipt, so it has been returned, which is unfortunate. So I can't nail you on we'll it. I can't leave. nail you on it. We're gonna because you brought it back, no, you saved you your money. We're gonna leave the we're gonna leave the uh, mystery out there for the viewers and the listeners. But um, stay tuned. In a month or here or so, I'll have a retooled bag for 2024. We'll see where we go. Get that credit card warmed up, baby. Anyway, right. thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you. We will catch you on the next one.